pantheistic America. When one considers the trajectory of Western philosophical thought and worldview systems, it is evident that the progression from theism to deism and naturalism finally descends to a dead stop at nihilism. Logically, meaningless nihilism does not satisfy the longings of the human heart since all worldviews seek to define the meaning of life in the material world. Thus, the dead stop of nihilism results in a tendency to stop seeking road signs and turning lanes to modify one's worldview journey. Instead, the viable decision is to start the journey from a different direction altogether. It is here that people seek an enlightenment of a very different kind from that of 18th century Europe. This enlightenment is sourced from the East, specifically from the Asian world. Herein is the worldview known officially as Eastern Pantheistic Monism. It is difficult to determine whether Eastern Pantheistic Monism's growing influence is a result of Asian culture's intersection with the Western world or vice versa. In fact, when assessing the trend of worldview adaptations in the West, it becomes likened to the chicken and the egg question. Which came first, Western adherence to Eastern Pantheistic Monism or Asian culture as a growing authority in global conversations. What we're going to do here is critique Eastern pantheistic monism as a viable worldview in suggesting a way forward for America. Dr. Ligon Duncan, pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi, suggests that the West's exposure to Eastern pantheistic monism came in part from the Beatles rock band of all places. During the 1960s, the Beatles enjoyed worldwide influence and spoke regularly of their so-called enlightenment as a result of their travels to the East. While the Beatles were certainly not interested primarily in hosting worldview seminars, they were willing to advocate their practice of Eastern thought, namely Hare Krishna. Although Hare Krishna is different from the traditional category of Eastern pantheistic monism, this example does represent an initial exposure of Eastern thought to Western culture which paved the way for the reception of Eastern pantheistic monism by the Western world as a whole. From an academic perspective, the influence of Eastern pantheistic monism has occurred as a result of scholarship. According to James Sires, by the 1960s, Eastern studies had filtered down to the undergraduate level. Indian gurus have been crossing and recrossing the United States and Europe for several decades. It is not difficult to determine how this relates to modern politics and global conversations. The undergraduates in the 1960s are now at the end of their professional careers in technology, politics, and liberal arts. Those careers were spent alongside co-workers with decades of abstract and practical opportunities to consider Eastern pantheistic monism within Western society. In other words, Eastern pantheistic monism was exposed in concentrated amounts in the 1960s and subsequently dispersed throughout all forthcoming disciplines to the present day. This, of course, does not suggest that it has been secretly indoctrinating the minds of the Western world for the last 60 years by some type of secret organization. Rather, this analysis is simply communicating how Eastern pantheistic monism has progressed from that which was foreign to that which is now familiar. This progression is described by James Sires in like manner, quote, Knowledge of the East is now easy to obtain, and more and more its view of reality is becoming a live option in the West, close quote. Now that the way in which Eastern pantheistic monism has been briefly explored, 
the analysis of it as a worldview can be done. One thing must be stressed at this point. It is unnecessary to suggest a dichotomy between Asian importance and Eastern pantheistic monism as a growing worldview in the West. Eastern pantheistic monism can be thoroughly critiqued without resulting in diminishing importance of Asians or an attack on the culture at large. In order to do so, Eastern pantheistic monism will be briefly analyzed by the worldview questions typically used to understand other worldviews, especially those alive and well in the Western world. First and foremost, the traditional categories of worldview do not fit directly into Eastern pantheistic monism with the same ease as that of theism or even naturalism. This has to do not only with the different vantage points between the East and the West, but more so with the starting points. For example, the progression from theism to naturalism starts with theism. Deism is a modification of theism, especially regarding the character of God. Naturalism is the outright rejection of God. And finally, nihilism is a conclusive hopelessness to a life without God. What is clear is that God is still the starting point in each of these worldviews. The difference is whether he is affirmed or denied. The starting point of Eastern pantheistic monism is much different because the creator-creature distinction present in the other worldviews is completely absent. This, in fact, is the meaning of pantheistic monism when considering the terminology used. Pantheism describes the allness of God. Yet, the mistake must not be made in understanding this theism as being the same as that of other worldviews. Instead, the concept of God or theism is qualified by the other term, monism. Monism qualifies God as being of the same source by eliminating the distinctive nature between creature and creator. From the very outset, it is not without warrant to assert that Eastern pantheistic monism has an entirely different category for humanity than other worldviews. In fact, by definition, it eliminates the concept of category, since there are no distinctions. Further, not only is there no vertical distinction between God and man, there is no horizontal distinction between man and other forms of life. This is explicit in the concept of reincarnation, found in Eastern pantheistic monism. Reincarnation is the view that all souls are eternal and will eventually find their way back to the One. Yet reincarnation also requires that the death of individual and person is the end of that personality or individual. Thus, person or individual are fleeting terms to describe what is an alarming practical implication of Eastern pantheistic monism. A soul, which at one time manifested itself as a butterfly, and later as an English bulldog. There is no intrinsic value in the human being, only in the impersonal soul, which is and always will be identified as the one. As James Sire points out, most people from the West look to Eastern pantheistic monism because the quest for meaning was rejected in the expression of theism or in the hopelessness of nihilism. Ironically, the West journey to the East merely finds another way to be disappointed. To put it another way, the West rejects their culture in hopes that the East proposes something more enlightening only to find a different impeding worldview expression. Perhaps at this point, 
it would seem as though the West can only presumably reject Eastern pantheistic monism because it is a foreign way of thinking from traditional Western categories. That is to say, in the transaction from foreign to familiar, those who reject Eastern pantheistic monism do so because they have not yet been enlightened to a familiarity with it. Moreover, if that is true, it could also be suggested that rejecting a long-established Eastern worldview tradition is in fact a racism of sorts. This will be viewed as a racism towards the value of Asian culture. Yet by maintaining the results that come from embracing Eastern pantheistic monism, the opposite proves true. Christian theism demands that every human being is made in the image of God and therefore has value and worth. This is worked out in ethics, politics, society, and culture for anyone maintaining a theistic worldview. Based on that presupposition, only those who reject Eastern pantheistic monism can uphold the value of Asian culture and personhood. This is why it is a false dichotomy to suggest that one must embrace Asian importance by embracing Eastern pantheistic monism. On the contrary, Asian importance can only be maintained by rejecting that. No doubt there are vast ramifications to global and individual ethics when this embrace-reject option is considered. The East is saturated with a dominance of both atheism and pantheism, yet the political and cultural structure of these worldviews are strictly reinforced by expressions of communism and socialism, such as the People's Republic of China. This is one example of the consequence of worldviews. But it is a clearer example of why Asian importance can only continue to grow as a good ethical cultivation by an equal distancing of oneself from Eastern pantheistic monism.